Welcome back to Leaving Egypt. This is episode number seven. It's called Don't Discount the Channel That I Am Using. This is a message really dear to my heart. All these messages are, um, but I'm excited to share with you some of the things that I've learned um, about what I will be talking about. But this is where I share my thoughts about breaking free from spiritual and emotional oppression. I've named this podcast Leaving Egypt because it's a symbolism really dear to my heart that God used to help me get out of my marriage and out of a lot of areas in my life where oppression existed. The biblical account of the Egyptians enslaving the Israelites for centuries and then them leaving and going with Moses into the promised land, first the wilderness and then the promised land, is so much more than just history. It's truly a picture of God's heart for us today and his heart for us to find freedom from all the things that chain us. In the past episodes, I've talked a lot about how God has brought me out of my marriage and I've told you guys about signs and confirmations and the convictions that I've learned through God throughout all of that. And I hope that it's brought you guys some clarity in whatever situation that you might be going in. You could be going through the same similar thing that I did. Um, That is why I do this. But today I want to help lift some of the negative stigma about divorce and the word divorce and the meaning around all of that and really dig into that with you guys too with what the Bible says and then things that I've learned um, just through God and his spirit. Uh, But first I want to start off with a prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak on this today. I pray that your spirit just speaks through me um, and that you bring truth to people that need it in whatever way that you know how. I pray that you empower people. You give them strength. You give them that peace that you gave me in the middle of the storm, Lord. Um, And I just pray that, that your will be done in each person's lives that are listening and that we be sensitive to your voice and that we learn to hear you a little bit better um, today. So in your name, I pray. Amen. So to preface this a little bit, I want to talk about the period of time where I moved home. I had left my husband. Uh, I moved in to live with my parents. I finished my teaching degree so that I could have a way to support myself. After that year of living at home, I moved back to Nashville, which I hadn't been to Nashville in about 10 years at that point. I went to Belmont to go to school here as a freshman um, for a little bit, and then I moved away and came back. So I did my first year teaching in Nashville Metro, which was a wake-up call for sure. And then I was also pursuing my music and going through the divorce at the same time. So during this time, though, I we were separated. And I was still hoping for restoration. I was still praying for that miracle. I really believe that God can do that. I've seen him do that with people before. I know he's he's able and he's willing if the hearts are able and willing as well, which I'll get into later. But I had already heard from God how he said never again in that moment that I explained in some past episodes where I hit my breaking point, but I really truly felt that God did too. I had truly already felt like divorce was the answer. I felt that I had done everything that I could and that me being in the equation actually weakened us. 
um, for multiple reasons, but I, I don't necessarily have to get into that right now. I just felt God tell me that, that divorce was the answer. So at some point during this year that I was in Nashville, I had to file for divorce. And so I went to the divorce lawyer's office um, on Broadway. And I remember going up into the office and taking the elevator and just the whole entire room and building just reeked of stigma and just the word divorce and this word failure attached to it. And it was so overwhelming and you know, I hadn't really experienced a lot of shame from my culture and my friends and family. Everyone was on the same page that I was on and that we felt that God was on with this. But I know a lot of people going through divorce experience so much shame from culture. Because if you think about it, it's really threatening to a lot of people's paradigms. If they haven't, especially if they haven't gone through divorce, there wouldn't really be a reason for them to have to dig into it and surrender it to God and really dig into it with God to learn God's heart on that situation because they're not the ones going through it. But the idea of it at face value, when you read the Bible, divorce is wrong. God hates divorce. So blanket, that's their paradigm. And if you're getting a divorce, but yet you follow God and you're trying to do the will of God and you don't want to fail God, that's tough to hear that resistance. That's tough to feel that judgment. And and I'm sure a lot of people out there have, have gone through what I'm talking about. I got really lucky where I didn't really have too many people shaming me for getting a divorce. However, I did experience a couple people do that um, in fleeting moments. And it was extremely hurtful because I'm the one that's going through it. And I'm the one that knows how to hear my father's voice. And every situation is different. You know, it's like, of course, you know, when Jesus was here, he's going to have a conversation with his disciples, right? He's going to have a conversation with them. But at some point, enough is enough. If you're just experiencing the same amount of trauma and it's not changing at a rate that's healthy for you, you know, when the snake came to Jesus in the desert, did he have a conversation with it? No, at that point, the snake was the snake and he stepped on it and he killed it. So it really depends on the situation. That's why it's so important to listen to God's voice. So this is just my story. But when I went into that divorce lawyer's office, I obviously felt shame, like I said. Before I got there, I was continually praying for more confirmations and more signs that this was what God wanted me to do. And I felt a drop of snow. I walked out of my house and I felt a drop of snow on my nose. And it was the first drop of snow to come to Nashville that year. It was in October. And immediately I knew my friend Brian, who passed away of cancer that I mentioned in the last episode, he loved snow. And the day that he passed, it snowed so much. And so every time I see snow, I think of him, especially the first snow of the year. And so when that happened and it hit my nose, it just started laughing. And I just felt God with me. Then I walked out near my car and I looked at the trash can and there were seven cardinals just flying right off the trash can. And that was just another thing of like a God wink, like I'm here with you. So I get into the office and all of a sudden I'm checking my Facebook, trying to look busy. And I get this message from a friend who wasn't really a friend at that point. It was more of she was my friend's cousin. And so I loved her. I wished her well from afar kind of thing. But we weren't close at that point, not to be talking really about anything personal. She Facebooked me and said, I know this is really weird and I feel really awkward doing this, but I had a dream about you. Can I share it with you? And I said, yes. And she said, 
I don't know, really know what's going on or what this is going to mean to your life, but I had a dream that I looked at you and I said, you didn't fail, you listened. <laughs> and obviously I was feeling so much failure. That was the word, that was the buzzword connected to divorce, which yes, the marriage failed. That's what a divorce is. It did not succeed. It did not succeed on what it was set out to do, but I didn't fail in my decision to leave. I listened. And that's a word for somebody else too going through through this right now. But later I found out that this girl had been getting dreams for about two weeks consecutively every night. This was a recurring dream that God kept giving her for two weeks. And she was really uncomfortable telling me because she didn't know how I would take it. So she didn't tell me. And then she said everything started going wrong in her life. Her medication started getting put on hold. All these things just started chaos around her. And she just knew the Lord was convicting her to tell me this. And to be honest, that was the catalyst for this entire thing for me of I knew in my heart that I was listening to God. I was trying everything I could to listen to God. But I still felt the devil just attacking me in my mind saying, you failed, you failed, you're not listening to God. And so when I heard that, it just changed everything for me and I could move forward in confidence knowing that I had listened to God. So I want to get into a little bit about what the Bible says about divorce. And I really, when I was reading these, I just prayed over them and I just asked God to really show me his heart on this matter with my situation and situations like mine. The first is in Matthew. It says, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, whatever God has joined together, let no one separate. What God has joined together. So there are plenty of instances in the Bible where God changes his specific strategy on things. I mean, think about the cross. Before, it was the law, and everybody had to follow the law of Moses. And once Jesus came, no longer were you condemned if you didn't follow that law, like you were forgiven for your sins and God gave his grace and his mercy. There was a complete shift in humanity from God. So there are times when God will shift. It's kind of like us with, you know, parenting at different points in times, like we will shift, we will change our strategy depending on the kid and depending on what's, what the situation is. But I think love is always number one. I think that God always puts love first and he puts rules second. The rules are there to guide us and to keep us in line with his love and to keep us loving him and loving others is to keep us safe, is to protect us. Those are what the rules are. Those are what the laws are. Like there are parameters in place, the 10 commandments. Don't cheat, don't lie, don't murder, things like that to help us love each other and love God. But there are times when those closest to us cause us the most damage and God has to step in at that point. And he'll show us how to individually carry out those actions needed to show the most love in any given situation. But it's not black and white. That's why it's so important to actively seek his voice. He may tell you to leave. He may tell you to stay. But I can promise you one thing. The voice of your culture, your family, your friends, many times is a great indicator, especially if they're healthy individuals. It's a great indicator that you're on the right or the wrong path based on what they're saying. But sometimes if whatever you're doing is threatening their paradigm enough that they haven't personally experienced, like if they're not quite in it with you, but they're kind of judging you from afar, that is not necessarily the voice of God. So you really have to seek him above all else and give it time. Sit in it. 
until he gives you clarity, clarity, confirmation. Pray fast if you need to, if it's healthy, if you don't have health issues. Fasting and prayer is really important too. I mean, I just went to church this morning and they they were talking about how not every time that you can cast out a demon can just be cast out right away. Sometimes it requires prayer and fasting. And it even says that in the Bible with extreme situations, prayer and fasting. So do what you need to do to hear his voice and wait for as long as you need to, to hear his voice. But he will not fail you on that. The way I figured it out and weeded through the noise was just listening to him, praying, waiting until I heard something. And eventually he gave me signs and more signs and more signs and more confirmations and more scripture that supported it. And I knew looking back at all of that, he gave me the confidence to know that I did not fail. I listened. There were things that I failed in in the marriage And in fact, I wasn't wise with what I thought I could handle. And that's what got me in the situation. My ignorance and my pride of thinking I could fix it, of thinking I could handle it. That's what got me in the mess in the first place of getting too far over my head. The second verse I want to talk about is the one that says, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. This is Jesus talking. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. I have a few thoughts that I wanted to run past these. So it's easy to find justification to fit your circumstances in the Bible. But I want to speak on these with the lens of understanding of right now how it is in this day and time. And I want to talk about real issues that we're all going through. So a couple things. The first thing is about people's hearts being hard. God says it wasn't always this way. People's hearts weren't always hard in general or in a marriage. And I think that the hardness of heart and stubbornness and unwillingness to grow with your spouse or partner is what failing in a marriage really comes down to. It's the hardening of hearts. There will always come a breaking point in that crossroad that change has to happen, either within a marriage or the marriage will be gone. An unwillingness to make the changes, to make the marriage environment healthy, is what brings the failing of a marriage. There's also something to consider in this, the rate of growth. It's almost like I thought, even if I feel change, no matter the amount of change, as long as there's change, I'm fine. As long as there's growth, I'm fine. And God does say, don't despise the small beginnings. Small beginnings. (laughs) In the beginning, it's going to take some time to learn to grow. And to grow at a rate that's healthy and that can produce fruit. Don't despise those small beginnings. But if you've been in this a while and it's still not speeding up with the rate of growth, that's something else to look at. Somebody said to me one time, if your partner is growing like this because of an unwillingness to change or an unwillingness to get out habits or things that it could be pride, it could be anything that are getting in the way of a healthy environment. And there's only a rate of change like this from one person, but you're growing like this, eventually it disconnects you further and further and further. And there's sin in that. It may be both people, it may be one person, but the unwillingness to change, that's pride. That's our sinful nature. And depending on the person and really what's going on and what kind of toxicity is happening, it might be a fast burn. And you may only be in that marriage for a year. I remember one relationship I was in for less than a year and it like completely annihilated me. That was the quickest toxicity I'd ever experienced. In situations like that, 
your need to heal just might be so much greater than just staying and waiting it out. I mean, God gives us wisdom and he gives us common sense too. And sometimes we don't marry the people that God picks for us, but you always get to change. You can always change your mind. It's not ideal. Ideal would be that we'd have the wisdom in the first place and the common sense in the first place to not try to fix everybody. That we see that however that person is, when you marry them, you better be okay with it or you better have had the conversations and a plan and a strategy to improve whatever those things are before you get married. And I want to go back to the general rules that God has to help keep us in the, the line of love. It's kind of like with my students when I taught. It was like, I have general rules in the classroom. You know, we'd actually all make them together. Okay, what's our goal? To learn as much as we can and to be happy and be safe and and have a good time doing it. Okay, what's going to help us accomplish those goals? No talking when the teacher's talking. Don't make fun of each other. Don't laugh when somebody messes up when they read. Quiet when it's supposed to be quiet. Social when it's supposed to be social. All these things help keep order. And those are God's rules too. He has parameters for us. But I might break one of those rules if it means protecting one of my kids. So when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I don't care what it is. I will protect my kids and I will keep them safe. That is what love really is. And I think it's like that. I mean, the Bible really doesn't talk about divorce too much. Yet what is the most prevalent thing in our lives here? Divorce. You know, that's just one of the the main things going on right now in humanity that we are facing and going through. To know him is to know his nature and that he's a father above all else. And he will protect you and break rules at any cost. So you can rest in that. You know, here's an example. If my kids are playing with the marker and that marker, which is like the marriage, is intended to be a tool of joy and benefit and creativity, but the marker starts leaking all over the place, I'm going to take that marker and throw it away. I, I'm not going to have the kid keep playing with that mess and keep writing that mess because that tool that was intention that was intended to be used one way is now incapable of being used. That's a broken marriage. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Jesus is saying that sexual immorality is a good reason to divorce. And unless that happens, there isn't a good reason. That's what he said in that sentence. So how do we define sexual immorality? Cheating, obviously. What about porn? Pretty sure that's super common. I've learned a lot on this matter. When I was younger, I didn't really know how I felt about it because it was so culturally acceptable and I just, I had no reason to kind of figure out God's thoughts on it. So I remember asking him at some point, what are your thoughts on this? And, and I started to learn that it's a thief, just like drugs, just like alcohol, just like all the things that are not from God. It's a thief. It robs you of true intimacy. It gets you addicted to stimulation and to an idea of the way that something is or, or to the idea that this is what gets you going. That is not God. And it doesn't just affect one person. It affects both people, which is why God says, sexual immorality is a good reason to divorce. It directly affects you and your brain and your relationship to intimacy and your partner because it's now present spiritually. You have a spirit attached to that that is now 
in your marriage. And energetically, your partner, even if they don't know that you're doing it, can pick up on that. And it's like this this divide, this wall, where they're never enough because you need this, you need this, you need this. You're getting it from somewhere else. It's one of those silent thieves and silent killers that everyone says is okay. All this sexual freedom. There should be freedom in sex, but it's not sexual fake freedom. It's sexual freedom in God, in a marriage, in a partnership that's safe with a person that's responsible to carry that vulnerability and that kind of intimacy. That is the kind of intimacy that's going to bring real satisfaction and it's going to really fill your cup is setting those guidelines to make sure that God gets to be the center of that. That's the intimacy that we're all craving. It's the fake stuff that you can never get enough of, never get enough of, never get enough of. So if porn is so commonplace in our culture now, and God considers it sexual immorality, is it possible that it has a much larger impact on the emotional and the spiritual and energetic health of a marriage? Is it possible that it disconnects husband and wife more and more over time? And is it possible that these things that we keep doing to disconnect from each other eventually break the marriage already before the divorce happens? I think the divorce already happened because there's some things that after you do it, it can't be the same again. And enough of that can accumulate. It's like after somebody kills somebody, it's, it's been done. So what if that's going on before the divorce even happens? The divorce is just calling it what it is and allowing the healthy space for both parties to heal. If concessions within a marriage are not made, and I'm not talking about concessions that each person is willing to make. Like I'm willing to, you know, stop this. And oh, well, I'm willing to stop this, but I'm not going to stop this other thing. I'm talking about the concessions needed to actually heal the marriage if those concessions aren't made. And if they aren't made in time, depending on the rate of damage, that's what breaks the marriage. That's where the sin is. In Malachi 2.16, it says, The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, does violence to the one he should protect. So be on guard and do not be unfaithful. So this is big because it doesn't sound like God is focusing on the divorce part. He's making a connection between hate, the man who hates or woman who hates, and divorces, meaning that hate and sin can lead to divorce. It says, does violence to the one he should protect. These concessions keep each other safe. Making these concessions, making these big changes to get the filth out of your life, to get the fake freedom out of your life, protects your husband. It protects your wife. That's your responsibility when you get married. That's what that is. And failing to do that will probably result in divorce. A couple really cool things that God showed me after that day when I got the message from the girl about the dream she had where I didn't fail, I listened. Sometimes I'll see words or I will feel words or feel a sentence or feel a phrase. And I understand that not everybody gets that. And I didn't have that actually growing up. I never had any of these kind of giftings that I think I do now. I kept seeing the words, don't discount the channel that I'm using to bring the help for the help is coming and the help is good. So I thought, well, what channel would I discount if God's bringing help? What looks bad? What's a word with stigma? Divorce. Don't discount that channel. I can use that channel to bring the help and the help is good. And that's a channel that not many people would expect God would use to bring restoration and healing. But he did for me. 
And I'm sure there's a lot of other people, and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that have experienced the same thing. God also brought me to a scripture in the Bible where it talked about ending a war, signing a peace treaty legally, that there was something that that would do to bring peace to both parties because it wasn't beneficial anymore. And I wrote this ending note for you guys here to sum it all up. I want this to encourage you to see God as even bigger than you've known him, as an even better father than you've known, that he understands the difficult times we're in, that he understands firsthand the human experience, that his mercies are different for each situation and for each child of his. If you have had to make a choice to leave your partner or get a divorce, rest assured that if you felt you were listening to God's voice, it's because you were. Remember that the way God sees you is in the light of his love. He is our protector, and sometimes we can shove him out of that role in our lives because our family or books or church or society tells us to try harder. That's not God's voice. He is love. He will rescue you at any cost, even at the cost of some rules and general guidelines that he gave his classroom. More than anything, he wants to see you sparkle. Yes, you may need to go through some seasons of refining in the fire to get there, but that's to make you beautiful and useful and sturdy later. And there's no greater truth than that. Pain is necessary in life, but too much of the same kind of pain is not natural. You need to experience different seasons. Do what you need to do and ask God for his heart on the matter. Wait for his answer and then do what you and God deem necessary to protect your sparkle and to heal. He will support your decision. He's proud of you. I am proud of you. And it will be a job well done, my good and faithful servant. Just watch. To hear the song that inspired this episode, it's coming up right after this. To find my music, go to alexmaybe.com. Find me on socials or look up my name wherever you get music. If this resonated with you, please click subscribe and share it with somebody who needs it. Thank you so much for listening. Look to the skies, gonna sing it loud